It can't be that time of the week again. It is. It's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jodie Rainsford and David Hellard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, you didn't. You didn't commit to that, and so you sounded re- like really camp. Then, oh, Betsy, <laughs> that's what it sounded like when you joined in. That's how I meant it. <laughs> it's just perfect. Job's done. Job's again. How you doing? Welcome. Hello, hello, do badders. Hello, do badders. How are you? I, I think we may have missed an episode because we messed up our, our hash record, unfortunately. So I'm not sure when this is coming out, but so is, we've got... This is coming out. So what we should have done is that you're gonna. there's a bit of a gap between them, mainly because one, I went on holiday, and two, we had a hash episode that part of the recording was lost. So um, we're re-recording that because uh, because it was a, it was a, it was a really good episode. Um, it was a really good episode, yeah. Um, and so once that's got, we're going to release that, but this one's coming first. So that's not complicated in any way. Perfect. Well, I mean, how are you anyway, JD? What's um, what's the update with you? Injured? Uh, do you know what? I'm I, I'm feeling all right. I've been on holiday for... I've been uh, out in Italy for 10 days. Nice. Um, I haven't been doing anything. I've been had like a bit of a sort of, a, you know, Facebook break, uh, email break, nothing to do with work, relaxing, and everything feels okay. I think I might... I'm, I might be okay. I'm not sure. So... Have you signed up for a hundred mile then? I no, I know as soon as I do, as soon as I press the button to uh, to sign up for something, I know that that the pain will come shooting back. Um, but no, I'm taking it. I'm taking it really easy at the moment. I'm going to attempt to go for. A, I don't re- actually. I don't really want to break my my duck of of not going for a run um, because I, I know that it's now as people have posted in the Facebook group, it's now become a soap opera in itself, akin to the much earlier Will Jody join a, a running club um, saga. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I'm going to break that. I'm going to probably go out for a run very soon. So how long has it been since you've been for a run? Um, oh, I don't know. I think we had a different government last time I went for a run. I think we had a different prime minister. That could be half an hour, though, the way, the way things <laughs> are at the moment. Yeah, I think we were still in Europe. We were definitely still in Europe. Prince was still alive. Um, oh, David which Bowie, one? I think. <laughs> which one? <laughs> David Bowie. Actually, yeah. I, it, I think it was a while, but I think it was like March or something. Really? Yeah. Oh, so we're talking a good three, four months. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've, I've actually been able to run. Oh, mate, I, I'm surprised you're not a bit more depressed. Oh, I, I'm sobbing. I'm sobbing underneath. All I've got are these podcasts again. So as long as no one's really offensive to me in, on Facebook about this all, um, I'm I'm absolutely fine. So there's uh, there's your your message, do badders. Try to write things that aren't offensive about Jodie as many as you can. You know, just if you get it slightly wrong, we'll forgive you. But but try and put some messages out there to test the water. What does Jodie find offensive? <laughs> I know that's like a specific call out to Andy Parry to do his best there, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And and just so we uh well, just just before we get um our guests coming on later, there has been a bit of a um an awkward situation with Andy Parry and our future guest. Wait, 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 before we do this, what what have you been up to? Well, I've been actually uh, I've been on a stag too. And Stag Do was in um, was in Copenhagen, which Ooh. is a 
pretty awesome place and managed to, to sneak some runs in. Um, one of the runs... Oh my, who sneaks a run in on a fucking stag do? <laughs> I did that thing of, of taking, like whenever I go on holiday, you do that thing, yeah. you know, I'm going to just take my running shoes and stuff like that. Even though I haven't run for months... I still have that ridic- the ridiculous optimism of, oh, oh, maybe I'll sneak a little run in somewhere because you've never been able to achieve it in your working, you know, your time back in England. But yeah, I might be able to when there's loads of booze, when I'm relaxing. With the- and so you take it on there, but you, there's absolutely no way you ever use it. You actually went for a run on a stag do. I've, I think I've been on for a, a, a fit of a long run into probably my last three or four stag do's I've been on. You're actually, so, a few of your previous stagos have involved mainly races, haven't they? Oh, yeah, John's did, yeah. So, yeah. John, he, we did Spartan, the Spartan uh, special and the Spartan super, and then um, one of the first, fans. One of the first races we talked about in the podcast. Yeah, in fact, the one, the infamous race where the ankle injury occurred. Oh, oh I should have learned. heard about the ankle injury for such a long time. We haven't, and thankfully, we hopefully never will again. But, um, oh, anyway, back to the story. I was, um, so I went for my Sunday run, and yeah. I'd, I'd been through this really nice park on the Saturday. And I thought, this is pretty sweet. I'm going to come back this way. And it's, um, it's, it's a bit like Hampstead Heath. So it's, it's, it's a park, but it's not the type of part where it seems groomed it's quite wild oh yeah, yeah. there's a few paths um but the paths are kind of stony um but small stones so you can cycle on them they're yeah. really nice it's like sandy and i thought oh there's a little route through here quite small path that's clearly not an official path but i'll run through there so um went through there's a couple of bikes there. i was like oh cool there's uh, some people having a great time, you know, just exploring. And then I went ran, ran around the next corner, and there's a towel and some some uh, flip flops and stuff. I was like, oh, that's interesting. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> then the next corner, there are these two men standing next to each other, and I was, I was running by in a reasonable pace. I'm like, what? And then as I passed them, I, they kind of half looked at me. I was like, I just went in my head. Shit, were they naked? Um, and then the next bit, there was there were two guys noshing each other off. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't really know what to do because I was running a reasonable pace. Um, it's like I didn't really want to turn back because I thought if I turn back, maybe they're waiting for me. Um, and I kept on going, and there were just gay men fucking everywhere. It was—I mean, it's not what you expect when you're hungover to shit on a Sunday morning trying to just bang out a long run, and then that confronts you. Oh my god! <laughs> what? What did you save that on your Strava segment? I haven't. <laughs> I haven't decided what to put it on as yet because I almost don't want to bring to attention this area in case. <laughs> well, I mean, is it something I should highlight or not? Question, I don't know. The question is: Did you run faster? Did it improve your time? Well, luckily, I know the Danish for how come I'm the only one around here not getting their stuff up sucked. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only line, only line I learned in uh, in Danish uh, Danish back at school. Um, no, I I went I went quite speedy, um, and as I was coming out of this, what I thought was the area, there was then this guy sat fully clothed on a bench, and he kind of smiled at me. <laughs> And I, and I looked at him and I thought, is he just a friendly guy? <laughs> I'm smiling at him. Or is he a guy who's like, 
Hey, dudes, do you want to get naked and suck each other? <laughs> or was he a guy who thought, I think that runner's just come out of the man love section and <laughs> clearly didn't know what he was getting into. So I kind of looked at him and was like, what, what look is that and what looks like a back? Yeah, so um, if, if you look on my Strava, you'll, you'll see the, it's, it's about two and a half miles into my run, if, if you're interested in that kind of thing, and you're going to be in Copenhagen soon. <laughs> but um, yeah, who, who knew? <laughs> but anyway, should we, should we get on to... Should we, Oh, I've, I've thought of a good, very good se- segue. Oh. Maybe some of those men were cheating on, <laughs> on their partners. Which segues very nicely to our theme for today. I'm sure, I'm sure Robbie Britton is going to absolutely love the association. <laughs> so, to, um, to tie us into that last story, we're going to be chatting to Robbie Britton to, to, to ask him what he knows about Sim- no, not similar situations. <laughs> about cheating. About cheating. <laughs> but before we do that, we're gonna we're gonna mention Andy Parry, you bad, bad man. So, um, yeah, un- t- talking about um, um, you know, sexual activity. Um, Andy Parry. Yes, there we are. There's the seg. There's the seg. So, um. We'd we'd asked the Facebook group if they had any questions for Robbie in, in advance, so that we had some some really nice questions to ask him. And um, Andy Perry put on the Facebook group, "How does it feel to be a poor man's?" Was it Ricky Lightfoot? Ricky Lightfoot, yeah. And I think he put it there, not thinking that Robbie would be reading all these questions. And of course, Robbie, like an absolute legend, jumps, joins the group, jumps in, starts answering all of them. Yeah, and uh, it, it was fairly awkward. Even <laughs> you could, I mean, it's not it's not often you read things and feel um, just just <laughs> coil back with with cringiness. But Andy's managed that in in one of probably one of our first ever credible guests. He almost ruined the whole thing. But um, but that's the beauty of the do badders. You know, they give one hand, they take away the other. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still laughing at the gay. <laughs> <the> I know. <laughs> the thing is, I was going on a long run as well. And it's often on a long run, you don't have much to think about. And I just replayed those, those like 50 metres through my mind again and again. And I was like, what the fuck, man? And, uh, and each time I was trying to make sense of it, trying to figure out if I should have said something, if I should have done something. If you should have said something. Well, like what? All I right, don't know. All right, guys. <laughs> yeah. Just at least like, hey, guys, by the way, just, you know, I'm cool with this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> in fact, in fact... That's what we have to do. We have we have to set up a, a, a Strava segment through that exact route, so that loads of people who are really keen runners oh. will go through it and think, "Oh, I've got to try it," and we've got to make it the most incredible sounding segment. <laughs> so that everyone who goes is like, "Oh, wow, this sounds incredible! I've got to try the segment." Yeah, the hundred hundred euro win, hundred yeah, two hundred euro win um, for getting yeah. this segment nailed. Yeah, the um the money, we've, but we've got to do something that's quite coded, almost the money shot or the. Uh, 
the um, the hundred euro hand over fist. The, sti- the stiff competition. Stiff competition, yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll come up with a name and post that in the Facebook group, the segment. Once um, once we've we've thought about what it is, and you can see where you would lie on the leaderboard. <laughs> <laughs> No, That'd be great, actually, if the leaderboard is just all men. There are no female types. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. So yeah, so um, we have a bona fide guest um, with us, the uh, the wonderful uh, Robbie Britton. Well, I do a quick interjection. So, uh, Robbie, hello, welcome. Thanks. Uh, great. Well, I haven't talked to you for ages, but um, have you? Do you know of the the infamous man that is Mr. Jamie Rainsford? I have not met him before, so uh, maybe you could do a little intro on that side as well for my benefit. Well, do you want to intro yourself, Jody? I mean, there's, I mean, Robbie is obviously an ultra runner. Jody is probably possibly a more accomplished ultra runner. Possibly in, more in accomplished. I've, I've, I haven't necessarily covered more distance. I've probably taken more time to cover less distance. So in many ways, <laughs> in many ways, I am, I am more, uh, more experienced. I would say. Yeah, I think in one race, Jody has possibly done more <laughs> ultra running hours than you yes. have in your your career so far, Robbie. Hey. <laughs> like a foghorn. <laughs> can I try and turn the old uh, vibration off one second? <laughs> I think that was Robbie swearing at the suggestion. <laughs> yeah. Jody's more experienced. You do know how I've done it. I think I've done about. 15 or 16 races that are 100 miles or longer so oh. even if you were really slow jody <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh no yeah you might not have been as many but i don't mind like if, I, I took a long time my first hundred took me nearly 28 hours i was not on dead last no way yeah i was proper shit on that one so was, <laughs> did you did you actually have a shock or did you did you go out relaxed and no i didn't know what i was doing I just um, started off. Oh, I've got. Vi- I've got. Vi- there you go. Vibration intensity has been turned down. <laughs> That'll help me. Yeah, no, I went out. Uh, I didn't really know what I was doing. It was ten laps of of ten miles, and uh, I just I just packed some lunch and went off <laughs> and did each lap at a time. Ended up. I was in. I was in like shoes I'd borrowed from a friend because yeah. someone had nicknamed shoes, and. My mum paced the penultimate lap, um, and she basically just walked around with me. So yeah, no, it didn't didn't go very well. Didn't didn't go very well at all. But the, but the difference is that you learn from that. That's that's pretty much how I run every race anyway. My <laughs> my my mum still still paces me on my last lap anyway. Jody, your mum paces you on your first lap. <laughs> just everyone, everyone paces me. Everyone slowly walks me around. <laughs> Well, shoot, are we recording then, JD? Is this is this part of the Bad Boy Running podcast? Oh, this is it. This is all. This is all part of it. Yes. Well, in case people haven't uh, don't know of of Robbie yet, so Robbie, our our listeners are some of them do ultra runs. I, I don't know if you've got that many ultra runners. Most of them tend to be reprobates and um, and OCR, they, OCR runners, so they they don't really know what running is. Yeah, absolutely. But we've you've had so many interactions in the Facebook group already. You probably know them all individually now. Um, <laughs> I imagine. But for the listener at home who hasn't um, had Robbie answer their questions already in the group, um, Robbie is uh, well the best best British long distance runner at 100 miles. Would we say is that a fair? Is is that a fair I, claim? Uh, I I'll take it at 24 hours running. 24 but 100 hours. miles. We've got, we've got some good. We've got some strong runners. Um, I'd say at 24 hour running, 
I, I am the, the best current Brit. So Robbie, Robbie came third in the world at the 24-hour race. Uh, was that last year, I think? Yeah, last year. He's won quite a few ultras, including a snowy one. <laughs> that was really bad <laughs> earlier. My notes aren't up to date. And um, he's... You've done your research. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Researched thoroughly. Absolutely. And um, has has also done some ridiculous races, including UTMB, uh, the Spart- Spartathlon. Yep, yep. That's oh, one. you've done the Spartathlon. Wow. That's quite good fun. That one went wrong as well. Oh. <laughs> that's, well that's, I would I would consider that like the hardest race to do. Oh man, that's was it? It's it's up there. I think because of the they put time constraints on it, so yeah. it pushes a lot of people harder they want it than they want to go. It's it's quite monotonous on the old roads, but um, I set off a bit quicker than I should have done and spent. I think I spent. I did the first half in about twelve hours and the second half in twenty. Vomiting from about eight hours in, so I just I just kept praying up the whole way across. I just left the trail for the other runners <laughs> to follow. But but I mean, when you say time constraints, surely these are not time constraints that you have to worry about because you're so quick that I'd imagine for for most runners it would be an issue. But are they are they really aggressive time constraints so that even you yeah. have to worry about making the cutoff? No, I wasn't concerned about the cutoff, but. It does. It's one of the main issues for a lot of runners. Is yeah. it's like 36 hours is the total, um, and it, it it can be a push for 153 miles. There's a mountain in the middle. Um, 36 hours is is good going. So, so it's, it's more more elitist ultra than some. That's basically the marathon de sable in one go. Yeah, yeah, probably. That's insane. Well, Robbie, thank you for coming on the on the podcast. We we. We do get some guests on every now and then. We tend to, instead of uh, like a lot of other podcasts where there'll just be a and a and um, we talk to specific people just about their lives, we actually tend to do it more to a theme. So the theme we thought we'd, we'd talk about this week is, yeah. is cheating. And um, the, what I loved is when I was typing your name into to Google, the, one of the first articles that came up was... Uh, uh, just before you went to the world champs, you said that um, based on Nike's sponsorship, continued sponsorship of Justin Gatlin, that if you got on the podium, you would cover up the Nike swoosh symbol so that they wouldn't get any publicity from your, your results. Did that happen? Yeah, I wasn't really expecting to get on the podium. So, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <a good> <laughs> but, um, no, yeah, it, it did happen. It actually, the story was quite big beforehand and afterwards so that not only did i not publicize nike i actually gave them some nice negative publicity which i'm sure they're used to by now anyway yeah but uh yeah i stuck to my guns i covered it up um i wasn't allowed to physically cover it with tape or anything yeah i i I pinned it down which kind of just like oh it's just a fold in my my equipment oh Um, clever and and did they ever send any messages to you did you ever have, hear from them in any way or get some kind of feedback from them or no i, I heard from a friend of a friend that it, it got through to like someone higher up at nike and it pissed them off which felt like a good thing yes. um <laughs> but yeah it wasn't much more from it I, I don't think my my team management weren't particularly happy but i think they've long given up trying to yeah a bit of a I'll do what I want. If I want to do something, I'll get it done. That's a bad boy attitude. Yeah. Yeah. 
that is definitely the debat the debatter spirit, without a doubt. And then the, the one of the other articles that came out recently, um, I think maybe even last week, was to and I don't quite understand how this happened, but um, I, I I get a lot of the posts that Ian Corliss puts up, um, who's you know hugely involved in ultra running, and he mentioned on on Facebook that you broke the story about um, a guy called Gonzalo Callisto testing positive for EPO. Is that right? Yeah, so he, he was listed on the, the IAAF, like the wider band list, uh, but there was nothing about it anywhere else. It was just kind of under the radar. He'd been And he'd been pinged at UTMB. So we've not had a positive test at UTMB yet. Um, it was outside. I think it was the French um, Anti-Doping Association had sent testers along. He'd finished fifth and he was, yeah, he was suddenly he just popped up on the list and there, there was nothing. He was still on the results. He was still, he's, he's sponsored by a Compro Sport. Um, he's still, he still began to races earlier this year. So I thought oh, I had to get it out there for me, hiding things and trying to hide from the fact that like there might be an issue with a sport is, is the worst possible attitude. You've got to be able to tackle it head on. And so I, I was quite pleased. I, I just put a few messages out there on Facebook and, <laughs> and got the ball rolling. Ian's been fantastic, actually. He's been really working hard at it afterwards, doing a lot of um, kind of real graft, uh, yeah. contacting different organisations and the races and stuff like that, and trying to get in contact with um, the chap himself. So uh, yeah, I'm quite thankful to Ian for doing that for the sport as well. So when they just so the IAF when they um, find someone guilty. They don't notify anyone about it. So I, I, it's not an, it's not um, something I'm an expert on. I think yeah. in this situation, the the IWF and Wilder said that there'd been a miscommunication, so the race organisers were not contacted. Yeah. Um, it generally they will contact the so the rulings. If you look on the website, it's within I think within three weeks they'll tell an athlete of a positive test. Yeah. Um, and then there's the appeals process, there's the testing of this, uh, the B sample and a whole other stuff that I don't un- have a, a real big understanding of. But, yeah, there, there should be p- people who should be made aware, but they, it can go under the radar. It doesn't, if a, if a race doesn't get release a press, um, press release, the athlete himself doesn't, if the national body doesn't, then how are we going to find out apart from looking at lists and looking out for names that we recognise. Well, this, this was one of the, one of the big struggles with, um, with the ultra-running community. Um, and a lot, of, um, a lot of the races struggled with the fact that, you know, offering large amounts of prize money. Uh, this was one of the concerns, wasn't it? That offering large amounts of prize money was going to make it more competitive. And in making it more competitive, it was going to start bringing people into the sport who'd, who'd start doping. Um, and that's partly been borne out. I mean, it's just, it's still... I find it so strange to even think it would happen in ultra running, but then I suppose you know, it, of, of course, it, of course, it will start happening as soon as you know, as soon as the stakes are higher and that there there is the, the, there is money to be made in it. I mean, I think would be naive to think it wouldn't happen in any sport. Yeah. It's, it's right through the history of sport. I mean, there, I'd like to know which um, races are offering huge prize money. I know there's a bit out there. But um, I won a, a large wheel of cheese this weekend. <laughs> have you seen how much the OCR you get from OCR? Yeah. We, we had this discussion the other week. From OCR background, there's money all over. <laughs> oh, I know. You're just well, flinging it at people. Oh, you can carry a log. It's 10 grand. 
<laughs> but to be fair, um, to be fair, Robbie, you have got a wonderful singing voice. Now, I was just surprised you entered that competition at all. But, you know, a wheel of cheese for singing is, is not bad going in my books, if you ask me. So uh, congratulations on that. Which song did you choose? What what are you on about? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Well, I, I didn't know what Robbie was up to this weekend, so I just assumed it'd be a karaoke contest or something. What what, what have you just won then? Oh, I did a, a mountain race out in Switzerland, like a forty six k race, and won a large, uh, apparently worth about eighty Swiss francs wheel of cheese. Oh, amazing! Congratulations! Oh, amazing. Yeah, no, it's so, great. So you uh, you live in um, in Chamonix now? You tra- live and train in Chamonix? Yes. And it is a lovely place. And why, why, why are you out there? Well, because the hills in London are not big enough. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to train for the UTMB yeah. in London. We went, I was in Haywards Heath on the South Downs. And then like, you, oh, you do a hill session, you do like hill reps, long runs. And you run up a hill and you're going up for maybe five minutes. And then you get out here and you can, you can <laughs> run up a hill and be working hard for an hour and a half. And you're still not at the top. And to be able to prepare for that, it just it, you can prepare for it in the UK. And we've got some very good mountain runners um, like the, training up in the lakes in Scotland and stuff. But as a, as a southerner, I just felt I've got to come out. If I, I, it's a big step um, in the right direction. I, I read a lot of books about like the, the cyclists back in the 60s, 70s yeah. and 80s that made that step across to Europe. They kind of saved up a few quid, took their lunchbox and, like, and a push bike and then were off. And they had a go at it. And I, I saw that kind of probably like a romantic view of it of going out to try and test my metal out against the europeans turns out they are really fast out there. <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say Everyone. i was gonna say i've you know i've run um like like various races out you know uh, like the transalpine and stuff and then when you you sort of get um with like the uh, the french german spanish um i mean they're they're incredible um uh, some of the runners that um, some of the, some of the stuff they're doing like on, on the mountains as well they set off, uh, and I, it happened at the weekend. There were guys setting off, and I'm, I'm like the next thing, and I think, oh my god, this guy is going to keel over any second. They're working at 100, percent like 95 percent minimum, right? I'm going uphill, and you think, blimey, I, you can't hold this up. And then they're there on your shoulder for hours, or they disappear into the distance. I did a race in in France in December, um, a night race, and I did the first mile in five. I think it's five thirty-seven. And there was a group of 20 men ahead of me that had dropped. <laughs> like, like you, any race in the UK, I mean, even in a, like a, you do a, a 10K in the UK and there's, there's unlikely to be 20 men doing 520s ahead of you. This yeah. is a race in the, in the dark in December. And have you noticed a difference in, from training now? Have you, has your performance changed dramatically, would you say? Um, last year, I, I think I, I, I went for it quite heavily and was expecting big changes and probably just didn't concentrate on, on the simple things as much. I went out into the mountains a bit, uh, got a bit tired, was yeah. just working hard, but not really working on things like my nutrition as much as I could have done. I've started working in, uh, with a dietitian, Rini McGregor this year. Um, and that's t- helped me take it to another level. I've started working more on my weaknesses out here. So I was working last year to make sure I could sustain myself in the mountains. To, I could take the hours and hours of pounding of the downhills and be able to like hike up hills lots. And this year I've, I've gone a step further and I'm running a lot more uphill. I'm really pushing myself on, on my, one of my weaknesses, which is going uphill and, yeah. uh, and taking a little bit le- more of the focus off um, the downhill side of it because when it comes to it, I'm not too bad at falling downhill. I can go reasonably quickly. And 
it's just yeah, I think that's definitely helped me this year. This year, I've seen a big jump. Yeah, and so and so, what's the what are you aiming for then? What what are you, what's your target with that? I'm doing the European 24 Hour Championships in October, and that is actually my main goal for the year, um, which is pan flat. But <laughs> up to that, I'm doing the the CCC, which is um, one of the sister races of UTMB. Yeah, it's, it's kind of I'm taking a, it's not an oft followed path of training in the mountains for the flat 24 hour stuff, but no one's done it before, so I, I don't know if it's going to work or not. So it may work. It may be the best way to train for flat 24 hour races. So but we'll your, see. What's your um, so what's your record for um, uh, 24 what uh, distance wise? Uh, 261 kilometers or 100, 162 miles. Oh, jeez! Because you you love because I I find long races pretty dull, but you seem to love lapped races as well. And that to me, I just can't imagine anything no, worse. I can't imagine. I mean, how, what's the what's the is it is it a 400 meter track? I've done it on a 400 meter track. Oh. Um, the the world champs are usually on a bigger loop because if you have 300 athletes on a 400 meter track it gets a bit crowded um so it's normally about one or two k right so the, right, the, right, this is this is uh, this might seem a really stupid question but how do you keep count oh so some races they actually have counters oh do they um yeah so like some of the one in two team back every year on a 400 meter track and they have a counter and i think they do like eight hour shifts Really? And they sit there and count the laps, and you have to wave at them because otherwise they, they miss a lap, and you're like, "But don't you?" So like, I'm like, "You don't have to wave at me every time." I'm like, "Yeah, I have to wave at you every time because otherwise I'm going to panic. You missed one, and I'll, I'll miss out 400 meters of hard-earned track." Isn't that isn't that your mo though? Waving at everyone on the way round anyway. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier, regardless. Um, but if I make sure I wave at the right people as well, not just everyone. <laughs> and how are you mentally during that time? When do you drift in and out? Are you constant? What are you focusing on? Weirdly, I, I like that. I, I count every lap. I time every lap. I, I I'm constantly monitoring things. So it's actually I like to switch off. And sometimes I will. Um, I'm running with another athlete. I spent I think two or three hours chatting with one of the German guys last year in the World Champs. We get on great. We just see him at like races every now and again. Um, so yeah, I'll pass the time talking to people. But I'm checking every lap. I'm making sure that I'm my every hour my speeds right. My every ten fifteen minutes I'm eating. Every ten fifteen minutes I'm drinking. So I'm, there's a lot to surprisingly like in the trail on the trail ones. I'll switch off a lot more because I'm just floating along or I'm hiking up. But in, in the twenty four hours, because you can be so scientific about it, you can monitor everything. So you might as well. It's because to get the best results, you've got to be spot on with all of it so that means i'd imagine you actually have to be quite mentally um you train yourself mentally for that because it's one thing to be running for 24 hours but actually if you are constantly monitoring everything um and going through a checklist and you're focusing all these different parts that must be really mentally draining as well uh yeah it's it's you've got to be mentally strong to do it i mean for the one that one reason is that for a 24-hour race if you go point to point and you run fast, you get to the finish quicker. That's yeah. generally how it works. Or if you, I mean, you might blow up, but you, you're working toward the finish. You're, you're making progress. It was a 24 hour race. You simply aren't making any progress quicker. If you you can sit on the floor or you can sprint full pelt and you're getting to that 24 hour barrier at the same pace. You're not, you're not going to get there any quicker. So it doesn't matter how hard you try. So when you feel like shit, it's mentally, you've got to be strong enough to keep going because it's just as easy to sit down. 
you sit down and you just it's just taking the same amount of time to get to the finish. So what so what's your what's your toilet strategy on something like that? Do you do you save it up? Do you how do I how do you toilets? Yeah, how, how does that work? Shit, I'll stop and have a shit. <laughs> <laughs> will you say I will I will not take more than thirty seconds on this? And then I don't take a newspaper in. That's that's one of my only rules. I don't take a book. <laughs> Um, it, the thing is, over 24 hours, if you need a piss, if you need it, like you, you, you're going to have to do things. You can't just hold it all in. Um, yeah. And if you actually try and put things off like that, if you uh, any kind of race, if you're if you need a piss and you don't take a piss, you're more likely to dehydrate yourself. Because you're like, oh, I won't drink. Subconsciously, you're not drinking because you know it's coming out the other end. But if you stop and take what 10, 15 seconds to have a piss, you're not you're running much more comfortably. You're on top of things again. And you and it's it's kind of looking at the bigger picture. I mean, you can lose thirty seconds to a minute. It's actually quite nice to rest. You I mean, see, if it, if you weren't for a piss, you could. If you're going to walk, make sure you're drinking at the same time to take the advantage of it. I, I wouldn't advise taking a sandwich in when you go for a shit because the toilets get. I love the way you suggest that, as if a lot of people were going to be like, "Well, I double up my time." <laughs> That's what stranger things to do. I, if I, if I, I have stretches, we do it like every four hours, and I'll eat whilst that's happening. I, if I'm stopping for anything, I'll make sure I'm doing like well. My body's resting. I might as well get start some, get some food in. You see, Robbie, you could you're, you're wasting a lot of time here because on the MDS, I um I discovered that as long as the wind was in the right direction, I could pee as I ran. <laughs> and not only did it save me time, but it was I felt like. I felt invigorated by it. I thought, this is the most genius thing ever. I can't believe I'm getting away with that. Now, could you do that on the course, or is it a little bit too visible? So 2013, the, the, we were running around a Dutch village. So I, I stopped for a piss in a bush, and it was, in fact, someone's front garden. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at me. So it's a, a bit more public. But I do know that uh, Yanis Kourias, the Greek runner who set the world record for 24 hours, he had a tarp set up so he could run and piss behind it on the back on the back straight. So oh, he didn't nice! Yeah. And that that Dutch family, given that you were running around every lap of their house, did they <laughs> yeah. then come out and just start staring at you, throwing water at you, berating you? Yeah, it was just more that kind of standing there like a man. With, like I imagine he had a dog beside him below the windowsill, just looking out. <laughs> But maybe thinking about picking up a shotgun or something like that. But not. He didn't, he's Dutch. He's friendly. He's kind of like they're very happy people. He's probably a little bit stoned. He was just chilling out there, so he was he was fine with that. It, 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 I think they were used to it coming to the. Oh no, they used. To, there's a racer every year, but it's tiny. And all of a sudden, there's three hundred of us like running around, vomiting. <laughs> <parking over. laughs> probably wasn't even the first person to piss in his bush that night. Now, um, we the, the, the issue of the day, the topic of the day is cheating. And uh, I have to say, I, I consider myself as someone who bends the rules somewhat. Oh, you, you, <laughs> you bend them enough to snap them slightly, but still keep them intact. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm the kid at school that the teachers quite liked, but in a way hated, because I'd, I'd almost be in trouble the whole time, but not quite enough for them to punish me. So, um... And from your point of view, Robbie, are you are you very very strict on right? I'm not going to deviate at all from the letter of the law. I'm going to follow the exact path. I'm going to do everything exactly right. I mean, what's your view on how you approach races to to ensure that you, you're not seen as cheating or you're not potentially cheating? Well, I don't cheat. 
It's um for sport. It, like I think if you're gonna cut corners in sport, it defeats the object of it. It's not what it's about. When it comes to life, I may cut a few corners and do a few sneaky things, and I may have been very similar to you at school. Um, I never quite cheated on the exams, but I would definitely bend those rules into within an inch of their life. But when it comes to a race, the reason I do it is to prove something to myself more than anything. I'm not doing it to try and, yeah, like a 24-hour race, and it's a journey into self-destruction. How far can you push yourself in those 24 hours? If you've got a time or a distance you've set, and I'm hoping the future to have a go at the, the British record and stuff like that, and if I knew I'd cut the corner each time, and in reality it was three metres short per lap, and that's... Uh, 250 laps all of a sudden I've got like nearly a kilometre less that I shouldn't have I can't I can't for me for sport it's, it's, it's a fun game yeah and that's it, that's what it should be about you shouldn't have to cut corners although I do it for a living um, sports yeah it's, it's a, I've got a very I, I'd like to say a very British attitude to sport but I think that probably is like us being on a little ivory tower looking down at the rest of the world saying we've invented all these games and now you're all cheating at them but, um, <laughs> I, I, the good thing about what you've just well, good thing what you've just said, Rob, is that you've pretty much negated every single victory in a marathon or race that uh, David's had in uh, <laughs> his entire career. Yeah, I've, I've, I should I should just eradicate every result I've had. Well, no, I think I do play by the rules. It's just things I, like well, would, one would other thing. would other racers think you were playing by the rules? That's that's how you judge whether you you're, you're a cheater or not. Well, I'll give you some scenarios, Robbie. You tell me if uh, if you think I was cheating or not. And <laughs> some of them, some of the things you're going to say, I was definitely cheating. Some less so. Say, for example, um, one of the races I, I've been on, it says you have to have a two a, a, a two litre bladder or water bottle um, when you're racing. Um, you have to be carrying a two litre water bottle or bladder. So I take that to mean. I can em- I can carry an empty two liter bladder and run with a a five hundred milliliter water bottle in my hand so that I carry less weight but I've got a two liter capacity in my bag. Now, so if the rules say you have to have the capacity to carry two liters, yeah, then you have to have the capacity to carry it. You can drink it all within the first five minutes of setting off. But some races will state you must leave a checkpoint with this amount amount of much water. That's how long you have to carry it for. But you have to have the capacity. So if you if you weren't carrying the capacity, the the, the, the ability to carry two liters of water, then you'd be cheating. Yeah. But you, you can't. As soon as you drink some, you're carrying less water. So that's it's one that's not. I wouldn't consider that cheating. Cool. So I've got away with that one now. Um, the my PB in the marathon two forty four. It was a PB until this podcast. So. Yes. <laughs> And just just to see, just to show you how how fine I cut this, um, I didn't stop to do my shoelace, and I finished in two forty four fifty four. Now I came through halfway in twelve point eight miles because I was doing some quite aggressive cornering. Now, how is that? Is that cheating aggressive cornering, or is that just you know just running to the course in an, in a, um, a creative way? Twenty five point six. I mean, like I, I don't know how, how you, are you actually running across gardens or, or like, <laughs> they will measure it on the tightest line. So as long as you're not actually physically cutting a corner. It was more everyone was running you should get twenty six point two. You should get twenty six point two. If it was a trial race 
and you're going down a, a hill and there's like four different lines of trail where obviously like the Europeans, they love just going straight down. And yeah. like fell running, they go straight, like straight down. If it's, if it's a flag course, you follow the flags around. If it's just go down this hill, then yeah, it's different. If you're on a road marathon, how the bloody, how do you get less than 26.2 miles? You should yeah, how did you do that? How did you? <laughs> well, there was, I mean, I, I, I ran more than 26.2 miles, but I just came through the first half quite aggressively. And I wasn't always on the road, but I was always on the path. Did you take extra weaving lines in the second half to make up for it? <laughs> I was like a Formula One car. I was losing, I was losing traction, so I was trying to, I was trying to heat up my trainers. What race was it again? What, what was the marathon? This is the Milan marathon. Milan. But I was pissing. Oh, was in Italy. There's only one rule in Italy. There is only one Corruption. rule, and that's get caught. <laughs> but I mean I, I felt a bit bad for the guys I was running with because they were running as a group and I kept on aggressively cornering and ending up ahead of the group and then they'd slowly trap me back and then I'd aggressively corner and, the, and one of the guys in Italian was trying to give, speak to me like hey you should be running with us man he, that's what he's saying in Italian I'm pretty sure and, um, and I could see I was playing with his mind which I didn't want to be but I, I, I felt I was doing okay because I was still Near enough to the to the course, but um, yeah, so that was. Were you jumping over pavements, or were you like running through houses or something? What like it sounds like if you're with a group and they're still with you every corner after every corner, you are cutting the course. Yeah, like, was, that, what's going on here? Yeah, it was pa- it was pavements. For example, it would be pavements or <laughs> things like that, rather than I wasn't doing I've anything. You, I've seen you like jump benches over hedges. I, I mean, it's not <laughs> aggressive cornering. Is probably it's very very generous as to as to what as to what that was. Yeah, it was it's close enough that Strava would map them as the same run. Let, let's say that. What what worries me though is that you're an official pacer at London. <laughs> so, which, which makes me worry that other people are really suffering as a result that, of it. Did you pace that last? Was it the only way as Essex? The that that, that last who, who cut the course? Were you pacing her? I did pass her actually, and I was really confused by seeing. It. I, I passed her about twenty miles, well, fourteen miles, depending on if you were me or her. And um, yeah, my 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 aggressive cornering has never been quite that aggressive, thankfully. Now here's here's the last scenario for you, um, which. I think I know which way you're going to go on this. And I think does I would... it involve EPO? Just, just, just to clear it, it's not, there's no drugs. You know, is it involved testosterone or anything like that? It doesn't, although, no, I mean... No, I, no I, David has absolutely, goes nowhere near testosterone at any point. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty clear. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I have to start, save it, start, start shaving, you know that I've been a drug <laughs> shit. So I was, I was on a race, and it was a half marathon. I was uh, running with another guy. And um, we were was massively in the lead. The marshals then sent us in the wrong direction. We realised this in a half marathon after about ten miles, and we were nowhere near um, the 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 finish because you're meant to do a big lap and a little lap. So we then ran straight to the finish where we got to about eleven miles. And like, right, we can't do a five mile lap. So we then ran back a mile, and then we finished so that we'd done. 13.1 13.1 miles by doing our own route now uh how do you feel about that one well you didn't you didn't run the race route so you just did a, a very quick training run okay okay i thought you yeah i i admit i probably cheated a bit on that one <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of difficult because the, 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 they should apologize to you for sending you the wrong way natalie did a race we did one out in um in chamonix it was a snow race and like, yeah. i set off uh, a dickhead pace as usual and i i took a wrong turn 
but I, it was up a hill and I thought the guys behind me were dropped off because they'd gone quiet, but they had in fact all turned around and gone back the right way. Um, <laughs> and around the same point took the wrong turn, but Marshall's told her to carry on and she got to the finish before all the men, like she was kind of outright winner by about 10 minutes. And she got there having not known herself that she'd gone the wrong way. She'd been told by the, um, the people to, to continue going around and then they got to the finish and she was like, well, what's happened now? So she wasn't given the victory, but she was given an apology and a prize by the organisers, which we thought was very good. Because again, in that, in that situation, you haven't done anything wrong, really. Um, <laughs> and you tried to make up for it in your own little way. <laughs> so really, therefore, you haven't cheated, but you also haven't run the race. So, Are Edinburgh doing marathons out in Chamonix now? <laughs> Yeah, just so you know, Robbie, the, the Edinburgh Marathon is, is the worst marathon in the history of Earth. And uh, it's, it's, yeah, and it's, it's often mentioned on our podcast for how much they, they mess up everything. So um, no doubt the Chamonix one was probably run by the marshals or the organisers of the Edinburgh Marathon. And they were influencing on that in some way. I've done the Edinburgh Marathon. How was uh, it? It's shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many miles? Oh, that's what I finished. Oh, brilliant. Where am I going now? Oh, this way to Musselburgh. Oh, brilliant. Let's go around this little country house. Oh, they've run out of water. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) That's the third time run out of water. It's crazy. So so in terms of um, in terms of cheating in ultra running, then, because it's one of those races where um, there's a lot of opportunity for it, even without drug tasting uh, testing uh, because of the, the distances it's it's so easy to lose track of people i mean do you think it happens is it, is it quite common or i don't know about common uh, i know it does happen and uh, i said before we'd be naive to think it doesn't i caught someone um was it a 24-hour race in athens crew my friend james and a greek chap was cutting the course um some of the runners on the on the course said oh we've seen this guy's he's pretending to have a pee by mm. this bush and jumping for a hole in the fence and coming back and to finish his lap <laughs> I then made it a mission to catch this guy who was, wasn't very intelligent about how he was doing it. <laughs> but he'd average eight or nine minutes for a K, and then every now and again he'd drop in a free three minute K. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at him, you dude, you can't run a three minute K fresh. Like, what are you doing posting one in the middle? And he was in the 72 hour race. Yeah. He was two days in, very much incapable of running a three minute K, let alone a. Oh, like, I think some of them were below three. And um, I, I got involved with the organisers and he eventually got disqualified. And then he, I, we had like a confrontation and I just offered to pace him around for a three minute lap. Except <laughs> <laughs> uh, that he wasn't cheating. But he, he turned me down and said I was ruining He wasn't cheating. He was just, he, he took the wrong turn a couple of times, which is bollocks. <laughs> um, yeah, I've seen it happen. There's, there's an Italian race where an uh, Italian lady got in a car for part of the race. Uh, but she got caught out of the Tour de Jantz. She got caught for doing that and disqualified. Um, people have been... Yeah, it does happen, definitely. And are they are they cheating to try and win, do you think? Or is it because they they just want to finish something? They want to have the kudos of finishing something they're not capable of finishing? I mean, it's, it's a mixture, really. Some of them are cheating to win. Some are... I've heard of stories of people that they aren't cheating to win... They're capable of finishing their own time, but they just want to feel like they're doing it a little bit quicker. Or, I mean, this the Greek guy was he was he was cheating enough to be third on the podium, but not any more than that. It's it kind of it was like, well, okay, you're just sneaking on there. I think he wanted to go back into his 
job and tell his mates he'd finished third in a 72-hour race. This Again, there isn't that much prize money involved. It's not like they're doing it for the wheels of cheese. It's I mean, you, again, there is money involved. You can have a very good life as an ultra runner, um, get going to races, some sponsorship and stuff like that. You get mm. all the kit. On. Um, I, I believe the guy at um, UTMB was sponsored by Comprisport, um, he, and he was and he went to Costa Rica for a race, stuff like that. that that's all come up the back of his performance at UTMB. Mm. Mm. So definitely, they say, oh yeah, UTMB. There's no prize money, but it doesn't mean you don't get a financial gain from finishing fifth at UTMB. That would be silly to suggest you weren't. Yeah. So, so what about what about areas where that you know people um, are purists about stuff? So, for example, one of the, like the big things um, in like ultras is about the use of um, use of poles. Should use of poles be allowed? Because uh, some races ban them, some some say they're acceptable. What's your what's your sort of take on that? Oh, it's part of it. I mean, racing in Europe, you're silly if you're not using poles. There are some runners at the top of the game that don't use them, but, but I've been overtaking them. When I, I first came out here for UTMB, yeah. I was like, I ain't taking poles. There's cheating sticks. <laughs> and I got overtaken by like little old men using poles. Oh, that actually makes sense. Uh, it's going up, and it's, if you can use them properly, I mean, I spent the winter cross country skiing, so I spent a good few months practicing using poles to propel myself on skis round and round and round for like 15, 20 hours a week. And I come in and you build up endurance in your legs the same you build it up in your arms. I've got very good endurance in my arms, and I've noticed that this summer as well. So it's, I think, if you're yeah, it's within the rules. If you're racing in Scotland, you, you don't need poles. It's banned throughout. Yeah. If you're in Europe and you're in a mountain race and you're not using poles, making it un- unnecessarily hard for yourself. So do you think it's worth, because I, I mean, I'm not particularly good at uphills, but I do a few mountain marathons. And we've got a, li- a lot of listeners who do the rat race, uh, kind of Manby Mountains, Manby Lakes. They do some of the... Um, quite long races where there will be hundreds, thousands and thousands of meters of ascent. Is it, I mean, at what point do you think it's worth taking poles? I mean, for me, it's a bit about the gradient as well. If you've got steep hills, mm. if, if deep enough to warrant poles and it, and you've used them enough to make them worthwhile. I mean, I used one on, I think it was a 14K uh, race this winter, uh, mm. but it was on ski piece. So we're going up like uh, red runs and uh, the poles. I, I was racing guys that could run up them and they lived in these mountains all their lives. But I, I needed those poles to go up those hills because it, it just, I didn't have enough strength in my legs, but I did to, to, to kind of achieve the what my my lungs and heart could achieve. So I wasn't out of breath and my legs were aching too much. So you bring the arms into it, all of a sudden you've got two extra legs on poles. Um, so yeah, if the gradient, it, it depends on your strength. If you're a very strong climber, then you might not find a beneficiary beneficial but if you're a very fit runner who's not very good at going uphill and the leg strength is somewhere you need to work on the poles can definitely add that to your to your game and how, what do you do of them on the downs swing them swing them around so yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, you can use people coming past you can <laughs> there's a whole lot host of uses they're good at checkpoints for making small kebabs um, <laughs> getting vampires and i actually I sewed some elastic on the back of my shorts last summer, so I had a an area to put them and hide them whilst I was going downhill. But if it's a short race, you just carry them. Mm-hmm. Most, but, uh, most different packs of different measures. Most packs um, uh, for like multi days and uh, things like that, they have um, they have a, a what's it called pole straps on them. So um, they're, they're, they're so terrible. And the thing is with, with straps on the pack, if you've got your poles on your pack and they're hard to get to. 
you won't take them out. You'd just be like, oh, I'll get them out in a bit. Oh, I can't be bothered. Oh, and then you end up just carrying dead weight. Whereas if you if they're reachable, if you actually just go like whoosh and bring them out, you're going to use them every time they're actually worth worth having. And so you might have so UCMB. There's a couple of climbs that maybe only a couple hundred meters high. And you think, oh, there's no point getting my poles out from my pack because I've got to take the pack off, get the poles out, and then I've got to put them back again. And I can't eat, I can't drink whilst I'm using them. Whereas if you've got them easy at hand, it's the same with anything. If you, with your water, your food, if it's easy at hand, you're more likely to eat and drink it. If you if you've got your water in a in a kind of hidden pocket at the side, you're more likely to get dehydrated because you'd be it's a pain in the ass to drink. Okay, on, so on a, on a slightly different angle, now David is very much into um, a, a, a sort of, well, I don't know whether we call this cheating or not, but um, <laughs> certainly the dark arts side of, uh, of running, and that's using mind games. Do you, uh, do you ever, ever partake in, in mind games and uh, using a bit of psychology with um, some of your competitors? That'd be telling, wouldn't it? Have I ever used mind games to get into, to, to disrupt someone else's race? Yeah, it's usually just smiling and being really pleasant. And that's probably the, the worst thing I can, you can do to someone. When you come past them in a 24-hour race, how you doing? Feeling good? Oh, are you having a bad time? Right, let's just keep going. There's only another nine hours to go. <laughs> <laughs> and then slowly you feed off their misery. Um, so, yeah. And has anyone used any mind games on you that you've just been like, oh, you bastard, that ruined me? Uh, I, I've, had, I've been kind of... I've had real drops in races, but never, normally just them running away. That that does, does me. If they just run away and it looks really easy, um, I'm quite, I'm usually the one playing games. Yeah, I've definitely. I may have once in the past, once or twice, gone like chat to people on Facebook before and ask about their training. Oh, is it going well? And like, oh, I've had a couple of niggles. Oh, mine's going brilliantly. No, no, I couldn't. <laughs> couldn't get any better. All right, like, what are you aiming for? Oh, yeah, oh, that's all right. I suppose that'll be good. Yeah, I'm going to aim for this. So yeah, I've definitely done that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Our races are so long. Yeah, that you might as well just just keep going. I mean, at the end of the twenty-four hour race, like last year, I finished really strongly, and I, I think if you can do that, then it does a whole lot more than any words can do. Yeah. I was running around. I think my last marathon was three twenty. What? Um, so yeah, so I was steaming around the last three or four hours. And what? Everyone. that's insane and I didn't take any of these ridiculous corners you take either <laughs> pro plus mate that's the way 3 hours 20 of pure caffeine <laughs> yeah, what, Robbie, what I'm saying is that the last few weeks we've been following um, we're quite behind the, what's actually happened but the, the, the British guy who was attempting to set the record for running across the Mar- America in the quickest time a guy called um guy called Robert Young. So we'd, we discussed him previously, and I've, I've done a bit of research since about what actually happened. And it turns out that he's uh, not only is he, he lied about his 10K time, which was actually um, was down to sub-31 minutes, which turned out was a 7K race, uh, which <laughs> is, is quite bizarre. He lied about being a pro cyclist, um, going as far to post photos of a German cyclist saying it was him. <laughs> yeah, I think he also edited Wikipedia several times and it got a, a couple of accounts banned because their only purpose was promoting Rob Young as a cyclist. 
Oh, really? So he, I, I'd heard that. So a, a number of the, his marathon times were unverified. In one race, he, he finished the line before the organisers got in their car. Uh, got there in their car, so he beat the car to the finish. Um, and he's got a, a marathon on Run Britain with a finish time 45 minutes faster than the official results. So, I mean, this is all quite interesting. But it turned out what really did him in is he, um, he'd run 80 miles in a, a day for, for numerous days in a time, times quicker than his recorded marathon pace which was insane and then posted pictures the same days of him in a casino him playing football on the side of the road <laughs> um, and it, it wasn't until the one of the the old time guys from the states who was himself been a massive ultra runner turned up and ran with him that he then had to run with these people and he could only do 40 miles a day for five days before he completely blew up <laughs> They actually only drove along because Lazarus Lake, the the race director for um, uh, Barclay Hundred Marathons, so they turned up and just drove along and just to make sure they they monitored the situation. And from that moment on, he did run every step, but nothing near the paces. I mean, he in that one of those eighty mile days, he posted a two twenty five marathon split, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that was uphill for sections of it and at 8,000 foot of altitude, which trust me makes it a bloody hard, lot harder to run at that pace. Um, especially if you're only a, like a three fifteen marathoner and trying to run two twenty five pace. He rested. It was, it was kind of, uh, I, I, I did like a, a few miles and I stopped and I did a few more miles. It was only my moving time, but I, I, I even challenge, I, I would struggle, I think to run, an interval session at 225 pace at 8,000 feet of, uh, of elevation. I think it's just, it shows a real lack of understanding of the sport he's trying to fraud. And, um, <laughs> there's, some, there's something quite beautiful about it, just like the sheer <laughs> ignorance, the sheer <laughs> ignorance and bravado in trying to, it's like coming into a sport, not knowing anything about it and just going, yeah, I've, I've, I've done this and not thinking that anyone is going to, hold him to any uh, account or think any people can take it seriously and just go wow that's great that's great because the thing is a lot of journalists went along with it didn't they for a long time and die hard fans that are, would not have a word yeah. to say against him because they've run a few miles with him and they're like and i've done a marathon alongside him at, at 4.15 pace he's done it <laughs> someone the day before uh, so i i believe and it, it's not like it's just sad because he's, he's he's really He's taking advantage of these people. People are sponsoring him. People are believing in him. People are being inspired by this guy. And he's he's a complete fraud. It doesn't even... But he actually... There was a guy a few weeks beforehand who who said he was running John O'Groats to Land's End. Mm. Well, yeah, it was Land's End to John O'Groats. And the guy... This one was even... He was even more ridiculous. But Rob Young was very, very active in calling out this guy as a cheat. He was the first man on the... One of the... I just really adamantly calling him a fraud... Like really aggressively, and you think, all right, fair enough. He's, he's one of the guys who's doing this himself, and this is how I feel. It's, this is what my sport, and you're taking a piss out of it. I mean, this other guy was posting videos of, of him walking in a puffer jacket with a backpack on, and, <laughs> <laughs> record. and like the, the record that has taken some very, very, very good runners. Again, he was running at a pace that I would struggle to do, uh, and like for, for nine days on the trot. Well, he'd broken a, no, he did it for seven days. He broke the record by two days. And I think there's not many runners out in the world that could do that. 
Oh, is that, the, is that the bloke Vaz? Um, what's his name? Yeah, Mark Vaz, yeah. yeah. And he, he, but he, every video was him walking in a puff. He'd barely broken a sweat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I was cold. If you're running, like, if he was actually moving, he would have been, it didn't even, that one was, I had, how did, has he tried to figure that one out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's been doing loads of marathons in the middle of the night. Same as this Rob Young. Oh, I don't know. And even, they were picking apart his book because it didn't make sense. <laughs> The lies were on top of lies on top of lies were all coming into question. And it's that, oh, but there's no, he's not making any financial benefit out of it. And the people were saying that he's, he's doing it for the kids. But it's, the amount of money he raised for charity was fantastic. Also, but, Jimmy Savile was saying he was doing it for the kids yeah, as Jimmy well. Savile, yeah. <laughs> Someone did make that, uh, that uh, what's the word, that um, comparison as well. It's, but it's, I mean, I could go out and shoot 10 people and, like say I'm doing it like give, donate ten grand to charity. I'm going to shoot another person. Does it make it right what I'm doing? I'm not saying he was oh, killing it depends, people. It depends which ten, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but the I mean the question is how do you with especially I think the trouble with the running community is that people now can do tremendous feats that are so long and so isolated that I, I don't know how you can catch someone. So we, but we, me and James run across Iceland in, in like in shit, windy, wet, horrible October last year, and he uploaded a Strava every night. And every night there was a Strava file of where we'd run. Yeah. We very like cadence stuff like that. Like he t- he uploaded all the stuff to TomTom, Tom, and then didn't like, even that was all kind of not making sense. And then he did it so none of the cadence data was there. Why would you take that off? There's no reason uh, like to actually take that off, other than to hide the fact that the cadence was zero because you were in a van. But if um, I mean the, the trouble is, say you're you're attempting to cross Iceland, you um, you I mean I I I know you did that, and I've seen the the information about it's fantastic feat. But it could have been um, a husky, you know, going for a little bit. If you got him to slow enough, it could have been ten of you just alternating. Could have been different, I suppose. We had a film crew of us the whole way. We had a vehicle there. We could have got in it if we wanted. We could have done a couple of miles in there if we wanted. But then you've got the credibility of the runner doing it. You've got, for me and for James, you've got example. You could look. I can give you 24 hours of 1K splits for both of us to prove that we can run that kind of distance. And I, I think it's been chipped time the whole way through. And you, if you've got that kind of background, it does make a big difference. So you, you think really to the, the only way to to actually look at people's these these records and their achievements is you almost need that that huge log of evidence of other things you've done to show that you clearly are someone who's capable of this the thing is like if, if you come out and break a record like these guys are saying they're doing Yanis Kuris the greatest ultra of all time he came out of nowhere and he won the Spartathlon and he, he did it in a fantastic time and they thought he cheated you know what if, if I did something that was so spectacular that people thought I'd cheated and I had to prove myself, I'd take that as a compliment. Yeah. These guys, they, they flip back at people. They got aggressive. They got like, oh, how could you dare doubt me? Well, no, I, dude, take it as a compliment. We're doubting you because it is an amazing achievement. I am genuinely amazed. I don't like to exhaust my superlative, but that's a, that's a word that if he's running the, the pace he's running, you need to say, like, it's amazing, people. But he's then got to prove it. Yanis Kourouz went back the next year and they followed him the whole way. He then went to the States and did a six-day race and they looked at him the whole time, the scrutiny, and then he was accepted as one of the greatest ultra runners, if not the greatest of all time. So, yeah, if Rob Young, he said, oh, I'm signing up for six-day races. 
He's going to sign up and be shit. He's not going to take up a challenge to run with someone like me or like one of uh, Joe Fares, the American, said he'd, he'd race with him. Because these guys are like Joe Fares is a solid six day racer and yeah. he'll leave the, the dust. And this, uh, he may keep up with him for a day, he may go ahead for a day, but then he'll fall apart because that's not, he hasn't, he hasn't proven. There's so much, like, there's just too much bullshit there. So yeah, if your if your if your achievement is doubted, to and and called into question, all you've got to do is either prove it, right? Which is which wouldn't have been that hard to post up data from with cadence and stuff. Like that. Okay, yeah, someone else could have been running it, but at least we would have gone right. He's done everything he can. Yeah, it's not even that he could have done. And then if you if they're still doubting it, go and prove it again. Go to a 24 hour race. Go to a 40 hour race where people are watching you the whole time. And people can and offer to get people to come and visit, and then yeah, take it. It's just a process. But if you're bullshitting, just shout at people, call them haters, and then put up a ten minute video saying that you haven't got enough internet to post your GPS. <laughs> he, he sounds a legend. He sounds a legend. Ten minute video saying we can't use the internet. Oh, well done, chat. Brain trust. We've got to get but, him on. He's got to be next guest. I do. I love. I love people like that, though. Where you, they put so much effort into part of part of cheating, but they don't go the whole way. And I think that's that to me is brilliant in many ways. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've done enough now, lads. I think. I think if we just do just a bit more, like we've done enough. We don't. No, no. Maybe we should cover our backs. No, no, no. They'll never question it that much. Let's just kind of half-heartedly do it, and then they'll believe it. Fine. get the ball rolling but we have we have set a challenge to the do better community they've got to try and fake audacious records and um, and just come up with the easiest challenge to take on that can be done in the most um, shoddy way where we could then claim to have done something incredible we'll, we'll obviously do it very openly where we'll admit we're cheating the whole way through to to the do better community and then just see just see if we can get away with it and I mean, if you want, right, what you can do, I'll, give, I'll even give like, an example here where you could do it. In Chamonix, we've got a 300 meter track. Yeah. You could go around with a watch on or, like, or, or, or as a relay um, and set a 400 meter world record over 300 meters. And do it on the bike. <laughs> <laughs> and film yourself running the lap full pelt with a, with a doggy clock and then have a clock come up on your wrist. And there you go. I've just run 41 seconds for 400 meters on a 300 meter track it didn't it doesn't take it even that long to think up a good way to actually cheat so i don't know how they cocked it up so much i think i could i could figure out a way to do it and not get caught but then that's why i often wonder if i was going to be a criminal i think i'd be a very good criminal because I've, i'm intelligent so that you can actually figure out things and get away with it, but I can't because of the moral code I've got, and I suppose it's the same in sport. Whereas that's, that's just between you and me, Robbie. That's why I am a very good criminal. But what I love about what I love about these two these two guys is that um, yeah, if you're going to cheat at a sport and and try and win something, then ultra running is not the one to do it because. If you get caught, you've wasted how many days of your life 
trying to set an ultra running. I mean, if you cheat doing the 100 meters and you get caught, yeah, you've lost 15, well, you've lost 9.3 seconds and maybe a bit of prep. But this guy has got out and had to be sat in his van driving for God knows how many days. Yeah. Bored, senseless. Yeah, you should cheat, cheat, try and cheat on the color run or, you know, <laughs> or, or race for life or something like that. that. That's the one that you cheat because, you know, people don't care about that. Yeah, so do baddies. You've got to get out there and just try and win races. As many races, as many events. Doesn't even have to be running. Just try and eat in competitions. Just find a record and find a way to uh, to completely destroy the world records in it by cheating. This is what kind of gets me, right? Because I, I, I watched a video a little while ago about Professional Eater. And the guy, he's, his, ded- his training, his dedication, his preparation was fantastic. And we think of a sport like that, and it is a sport to these guys, and we, we underestimate what goes into it, and we think, ah, oh, the records are going to be a piece of piss. And that's what they've done with ultra running. They've gone, ah, oh, these records are weak. I can go in and pretend to break them by two days, three days. Dude, some of these professional eaters would smash you alive, and there's not you couldn't even cheat to beat them. They'd eat me alive. <laughs> yeah, they'd eat you alive. Somebody like that big. Like, there's a, I think it's a, a Chinese or a Japanese guy that like smashes all the hot dogs down. He's not even that big. Yeah, and the, I think recently the um, the guy broke the record. I was seeing he he ate something like sixty two hot dogs in ten minutes. It was even more than that. And the to put it in context, is that the first year they did it, the person that had, had won it ate twelve hot dogs, and this guy had done about six or seven times that in ten minutes. Is that it? Is that it? This sounds like this just sounds like me at a fuel station on a hundred miler. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you, that'd be great way actually combine the two sports. <laughs> Ultra eating. I could quite easily do it. I could quite easily do it. I mean, it won't be the fastest hundred miler ever, but I'd certainly be able to smash the eating record, cake record, especially. You probably get your best hundred miler if you if you treated it as an eating competition. Oh, he does already. He, he, he really does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, David. David Paisley on the on the uh, South Downs Way 100. So he could, he saw how much I ate on the way, and I was knackered just because I was bringing him all the food while he was sat down. <laughs> it's, it's just the back and forth from the chair to the table. It's, it's when they said to you, "Hey, don't be so greedy." <laughs> <laughs> they did. They stopped me taking food. <laughs> yeah that was quite funny so we'll, we'll go to um we've got a lot of questions for you we we um we posted in the group the facebook group that robbie was coming on and um some of the response is fantastic some of it was was taking a piss a little bit i don't think they realized you're going to be reading the the answers um uh, some of the questions are brilliant and some of them probably mean nothing to you because you i'm, I'm assuming you haven't really read the podcast uh, listen to the podcast so first song from richard smith what's your favorite early to mid-90s reggae theme pop song? Yeah, I had no idea what this one meant. And I, 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 I was, I'm going to have to just stick with uh, with uh, Peter Andre, with um, the, the chap. Who was in it? Shabba Ranks or something, because he now works in Sainsbury's. Oh, of course, the crazy girl, let me wind. I guess that is reggae. I, I never even thought of that as being reggae, because it's Peter Andre. Reggae themed. It's got a reggae artist in there. It but does. Again, yeah, he ended up working in Sainsbury's, so the quality of that was probably quite low. Can't believe Peter yeah, Andre now works in Sainsbury's. No, no, Shabba no, no. Who, the, Peter the Andre reggae. works in Iceland. Oh, he does. <laughs> That's right. Are they now rivals? Have they formed rival factions? 
that's brilliant. They should come together for a Christmas special, advertising with um, with Kerry Katona. Oh, I don't think that'd go down well, would it? Oh, no, that was the other one. I get them ones confused. He was dating Jordan, wasn't he? Oh, Jordan, that's right. Sorry. So, um, one, one of the questions from Anne, uh, Anne Garnish was, what do you think should be the right standard of evidence for any record claiming ultra attempt? Well, a friend of mine, Mimi Anderson, was, was due to do the, the race across America this this um, summer. And she actually, we, we spoke about it before. And like, I was just emailing back and forth to try and ask and, and see what would be the right kind of thing. And she was, she was aiming to take... I think she had um, three Sunto watches with like a 40-hour battery life. Yeah. She had, so she'd have one on at all times, one charging and one spare. She was going to update it every time she could. She's going to film as much as she could. She had. She's going to wear a heart rate strap so there was heart rate data of hers going along the whole way. So you could see it corresponding. Um, and yeah, beyond that, there was a tracker in her van. There was a tracker on her. Um, there was all kinds of information. You just do as much as you can. And I suppose someone like Mimi comes with a, the, the experience yeah. and the history that expects but yeah just just do what's i mean if i was going to do it I'd, I'd probably go onto that let's run community where they busted um the guy and ask him guys yeah. what do you want what do you want out of me i'll do whatever you can whatever is reasonable i'm not gonna like hire a, a private de- detective to follow me the whole way but i yeah with anything everything that's reasonable to do yeah just do it so uh, so actually part. you're saying it's almost the in with the ultra running, it's it's the peer, um, and you're looking for peer acceptance in a way. The 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 um, what the community find is a, an acceptable level. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, there's not really we haven't got governing bodies as such. We, uh, unless you're doing something that's an official like IAU event, who who governs is this, the FKT is a, is a website by uh, organised by a runner Peter Backwin and stuff like that. So that's. Like the, the the rules they have on there is that you you claim it beforehand and then you prove it afterwards. But yeah, yeah. If if it's the the peers of the sport are the ones that are judging it. But that, surely, I mean, like, that it, it would make sense. You know, just knowing that that standard of evidence would obviously should be higher um, for people who, like you say, wouldn't necessarily don't have any record in it in the first mm. place. Like someone like Mimi who has record after record after record after record long history of you know of, of racing long history of being able to achieve those things and achieve them in the times that she said thing you know the, the the standard of evidence for her must be you know a lot lower than someone who just comes out of absolute nowhere and and tries to smash it and you know doesn't provide any detail obviously you know that if you put in a lot of hard work because even if you come out you've obviously put a lot of hard work and training into it um you've got to think that before and other people are gonna wonder where i came from you just plan for this sort of stuff i mean you've got guinness world records but they're what they actually ask and they're not just a business they're not an actual winning body or anything they're not going to anyone even like that uh that's another level altogether but i think that what they asked is for a through the start and the finish and then a set amount of evidence and some gps stuff Rob Young guy had it stored in the van. We're going to eat that to, pr- to prove it. It's kind of like, well, that's, they don't really, they're not that fast. They're probably good for them that it gets news regardless. So, mm. yeah, I would say the community is more important than someone like Guinness. Well, it's difficult then- since, since Norris McWhirter died, the Guinness just haven't been able to monitor anything. And then, and then and one of the one of the questions that's coming so I was uh, I'm just reading the next <laughs> paragraph in uh, in the Pepperoni group. So uh, Mr. Andy Parry has made a bit of a faux pas, it seems, <laughs> asking about Ricky Lightfoot. Um, who is Ricky Lightfoot, by the way? 
he's a, another ultra trail runner. He's, he's, he concentrates more on the trail. He's a fell runner, uh, a mountain runner. So he's pretty quick over trail and stuff. He's, I don't think he's done a 24-hour race yet. Uh, I don't know if he intends to, but yeah, he's a very good runner. I'll take... I'll take a poor man's Ricky Lightfoot. <laughs> I wasn't sure who that was. I had to Google him. So apologies about that. In um, Andy is a very confused man. And oh, uh, yeah. he's also a very sarcastic man, as you can probably figure. He's married, the to, his, he's married to his sister, which is very, very odd. So one, Yeah, exactly. So what, one great question from Isaiah is, what's the best race you, you've yet to run? Yet to run. Oof. Um, for competitive, I want to do the Western States 100 in the U.S., I, I held off entering it for quite a few years because I, I didn't want to go out and just run it. I want to go out and try and I want to break into the ten out there, which yeah. is quite a high a high level to, uh, to do. But there's there's so many out there that that warrant running. Um, I'm going back to Spartathlon uh, hopefully next year because mm. it's one I I want to win. I want to uh, at least get in the podium. But I really want to win that race. Um, UTMB I will keep going back to um, the Tour de Jantes in Italy, which is 330k. I went there last year to support it and a member of the press and I was blown away by it. Just the community, the whole valley is involved. Humongous race that goes on for a week and there are people just, you think, how the hell are you still going? And they're all over the place. There's like 3,000 metre coals, there's thunderstorms, there's snow, there's ice. And my girlfriend Nats is doing it this year. We're going out to, to support her and I'm looking forward to that almost as much as I'm looking forward to running my race at CCC. It's going to be a fantastic experience. It's on the list. Oh, there's so many. You can't. There's just so many to go out there and do. It's Western States is to the top of my bucket list, and as, as an individual race. And is, is there going to be a point? I yeah. The, the commonality of these races, a lot of them, is they almost seem to be getting longer and longer to the ones you've done previously. I mean, is there a point where? You know, say you do Spartathlon, you do you finish that, you do this uh, this one in Italy. Are you going to do a longer race? And also, because I get to a point in a race where I'm like, oh, I just can't be arsed with this anymore. And I think that's the point where I just get a bit fed up. That seems to be the point at which you get turned on. I think it's all to do with pacing, Dave. If you set off like a dickhead, which I've seen you do, <laughs> it sounds like it's, it's starting to get a little bit hard and you get a little bit bored. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. I've actually been concentrating on shorter races recently. I've, I've been doing like uphill races that I did one every week. It was I think it was seven k and uh, God knows that was it, like sixteen hundred meters of climbing in seven k. Um, so, but I'm finding tougher challenges, but not through. Doesn't have to be distance. Doesn't have to be time. So this year. And the CCC is actually shorter than UCMB, which I usually would have done. Um, the 24-hour does fascinate me. Yeah. And it's one I want to keep trying. At. And the more I've done, I have found that I, I'm now intrigued by the 48-hour races and stuff like that. Um, merely because it's, like you said before, like I get I, I, I like these boring races in laps. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm good at them. Yeah. I'm not unfortunately, but this is what I'm good at. And I enjoy being good at something. So I'd be lying to say... If I was shit at 24-hour races, I probably wouldn't be doing that many of them. But because I, it's something I do very well at, for whatever reason, I do I do love doing them for that reason. But I'd happily, if there's a fantastic race that's shorter, I'm going to go do that as well. It's not, for me, the, one of the ones I want to do, actually, is one called Ciazanar, which yeah. is uh, the, like the the biggest mountain races in, in Europe. It's I think it, it's not actually that. Nats, how long is Ciazanar? Nah. It kind of goes up for like, 
1900 meters and then along a bit for about a half marathon but it's all mountain racing it's not actually that long it's one in about two and a half hours and for me that i'd love to i'm not going to win one like that but i, I want to do it i want to try and do well so would and you that, would you say in a way you're cursed by the fact that you're really good at 24 hour races i mean i wouldn't say cursed i, I definitely i definitely enjoy being good at them yeah but if you put it to a panel of ultra runners would they rather be good at uh, well, would they rather win UTMB or they rather win a 24-hour race? I think you would have a, a very high sway towards the UTMB kind of style races, the trail racing. And that's, that's the booming popularity in the, in the current day in ultra, and it is trail. I mean, they used to be, like, back in the Victorian times, you could you, they filled stadiums with tens of thousands of people watching 24-hour races, watching two really? gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, used to, pedestrianism was huge back in Victorian times, mainly because of the betting and gambling on it. Yeah. So they, it was absolutely massive, and that's where the sport comes from, the six-day races, because you didn't race on the Sunday because it was the Sabbath. Like, that's that's a big history, a big part of the history, and that used to be what it was all about. And then trial racing only really started kicking in a bit later. They say Western States was, oh, it was the first 100-mile race. It wasn't. It was the, one of the first 100-mile trial races. But before that, we had 100-mile races all over the place. We had road ones, we had track ones, we had all kinds of stuff like that. So it's, I'm just good at what we used to do. I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at trail running. Okay, yeah, I, mean, I, I think actually as well, there, there certainly seems to be a change in even the way companies are marketing running now. It used to all be road marathons and people in parks, and actually now it's getting back to to trail and it's well the what's what's the book we hate jody where the guy almost preaches in his book that oh. unless you're running trail your running's not worth uh, worth doing oh i can't remember I, do you know what i went into waterstones today to try and look for it to move it to a different section <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't remember the name of it it's a richard asquith one isn't it yeah yeah the first one is it what's the other one Running, running free, running free. That's the uh, run, journey back to nature. Yeah, blimey. Road running so fun. Yeah, I mean it can be. I think um, I want to make a video, actually, a YouTube video, where I just film my runs to work. Because if people think road running is not boring, it's because they're doing roads, road races. If you run through the middle of London as fast as you can, it's bloody brilliant. And I tell you, it's as, it's as challenging as any trail you can have in terms of uh, just having to be on your toes and change directions and, yeah, the, the skill level you, you potentially need. So, um, and, and if you were to advise then, because a, a lot of our runners, have they like challenges. Um, if, if people were, we, we had the question in the group a few weeks ago um, about, first ultra but if you're if you're someone who's thinking about an ultra what would you advise people how do they test whether that's truly something they want to do and, and how would you then advise them because you of course you, co you coach people don't you um as well as uh as, as well as running yourself so you coach people doing their like to improve their ultra running improve you know and, and kick off and everything so yeah it'd be good to to hear your view on that how i how I earn a living is through coaching isn't it definitely not selling that cheese i won so it's, <laughs> I, I, a, I have a job, it's coaching, I am an ultra runner. But he, I, if you're going to, the thing, part of me just, because you learn so much from making mistakes in ultras and yeah. just going out there discovering stuff, I would say just sign up to sign up to something like a, a 50k or a, a 50 miler, something that's not too beyond yourself. If you've done a few marathons, done some trial stuff, then just, just 
jump in, get involved. There's a fantastic community online at every race you go to that can help you out. I mean, some of them give out atrocious advice. But if you pick and choose, <laughs> you learn your own, um, like your, own, your own mistakes. You try out different things. You try different food. Try different, try different drink strategies, different pacing. Yeah, it's better to do that before you come straight. You can come straight to a coach. And I've worked with people who've just started out and they learn from the mistakes I've made in the past. I can lay things out. But some things, just you have to, you have to fuck it up yourself. Yeah. You have to make that mistake. And, and it could be anything silly like having a curry the night before an ultra. You only make that mistake once. <laughs> Normally, you don't run with any toilet roll as well. So you end up finishing with no socks or something like that. And these are mistakes you make and you learn for life. And you can do that by just jumping in at the deep end. Like not too deep an end. Make sure you've got training. You're not going to injure yourself. Don't pick like a, a mountain race or something like super technical. But I'm going to plug the Centurion races because you've got 50 miles. I know you, you spoke about the, 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 the South Downs or 100. Mm, They've yeah. four 50 miles now. You're not going to... For me, there's no better community when you come to... It. Like the checkpoints are fantastic. Yeah. The people will look after you people you meet will look after you on the run it's very well organized and james who runs them is one of the most experienced ultra runners we've got in the uk there's not many races around the world that he hasn't done he's done your western states he's done your hard rock he's done your leadville he's done your four deserts he's done your marathon de Saabs. he's done like he's done utmb he's done spartathlon and that's to take all that and to then put it into your own 100 miles and that's one of the reasons people they were surprised when james went and won a, one of his own races last year you're like, oh, bloody hell, who's just the race organizer? No, he's an extremely experienced runner, and he takes all that and to put it into his own races. So, if you're gonna, yeah, if you're gonna get involved with a 50 miler, like an ultra running, have a look at Centurion and have a look at the, the Long Distance Walkers Association because you can do one for about four quid there. And uh, yeah, no, I think I've done one of those, yeah, they're brilliant. And, and they've got you go into little town halls where some little granny is giving you hot soup and sandwiches. <laughs> you could probably aggressively corner quite a lot on those ones, David. So I think you'd probably win one of them. <laughs> but it's you true, it's true. It. I did, <laughs> yeah. so I made if, myself my own medal. <laughs> so, if um, so for example, okay, um, so say for example, you were a below average ultra runner and you wanted to rapidly increase your ability at ultra running, what would you say, this is a completely theoretical situation, of course, what would you say would be the, like, the single best thing you could work on to rapidly improve um, your, your speed and your ability over, over, over long distances? I mean, a lot of people just train at one speed, and they go out and they run. And to actually introduce a structure to your training, so you've got speed work, you've got hill work, You've got easy runs and you've got like, I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of huge, huge long runs. Yeah. Like if you're doing two, two and a half hours in your long run a week, that's enough. Bruce Fordyce, 50 mile world record holder. He never used to run really like, in his build up to Comrades, which he won nine times. He used to run 30 K as his long run. And he'd do once he'd do a longer one. That was it. And his whole Whoa. build up. And, and 30 K of him was two hours. Yeah. And he, he was running long. So I think if you just, Make sure there's some structure and some some um, some varied pace in there, but also, and unfortunately, it's, it's it's not a quick answer. It's consistency, it's patience. You you not if you go too hard and try to think, right, I want to do something to make myself make myself faster right now. I'm going to do a really hard training this month, and then the next like six weeks after you're injured or you've got niggles. If you just keep within your own, 
and just outside your comfort level, keep building and building like, gradually over a couple of years, it, you're going to improve. You're going to keep this. You get two years of consistent training. That's better than six months of hard training followed by 12 of um, like injury. And it's, yeah. So I, unfortunately, there's no short, sharp answer apart from if, unless you're morally bankrupt, you can uh, approach the EPO in off off Chinese eBay um, method. Which I, I <laughs> what's um, what's the red blink for the for the listeners, uh, Robbie? <laughs> Panorama uh, documentary uh, was Mark Daly shows you everything you need to know. But also, <laughs> Tyler Hamilton's book um, unearthing Lance Armstrong's is basically a guidebook for any cyclist that wants to try drugs. Um, out there i think they're quite keen on them anyway cyclists so it's all right well it's cheap we, it's, it's really interesting that we round this off uh, an episode talking about cheating with with talking about cycling that's 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 very interesting yeah we, um jd's not very uh not a very big fan of cyclists i'm i'm quite partial to them myself but um oh, you've yeah. changed you've changed well robbie thanks so much that's been brilliant so useful so insightful brilliant and and, and so if, if the listeners, if they want to reach out to you for some coaching, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, I've got enough people. I can't be asked to coach anyone else. Tell me about all these problems and everything. Uh, I've got a website, robbiebritton.co.uk, um, but I have a strict strict selection process. I don't like anyone that's irritating. I like people to be quite, quite nice people. So if you're a nice person and you want to improve your ultra running, get in touch. If you're... If you're an horrible person and you want to take aggressive corners and stuff like that, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> well, 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 Robbie, there isn't actually a podcast. This was my application to be trained by you. <laughs> I've clearly failed. Yeah, sorry, sorry, mate. Sorry. <laughs> You've already stole my teammate and taken her to Chamonix. So, uh, and now, and and you've you've uh, cost me a podium in Afghanistan math, and and now this. Yeah. <laughs> the one in, did you come to the one in Birmingham, that BMX one? No, I, I didn't make that one, sadly, no. Um, I heard it was a bit of a shocker, um, the indoor assault course. Yeah, that was my OCR experience. How did it go? It's, like, I was really good, right? I was leading yeah. until they put those fucking obstacles in the way. <laughs> <laughs> and it really difficult. You see, you just got to run round them. Job's done. No, no, it was like hay bales and like, shitloads of tires that i hey like there was no kind of logical way to get through them i don't mind if it was a logical way it was just pot luck like, <laughs> here, you've either made it or you've broken your ankle so uh yeah that was my end of my ultra running and my ocr career yeah that is a lot yeah i think that was urban urban rush i think it was called and uh it did two of our team in one race so yeah um we'll probably get sued by them shortly but um i think they're the they're known as the edinburgh marathon of the obstacle race community <laughs> <laughs> as things go well, but th- the race director was a cyclist so Jody will be extra keen on that oh, was really? he? Uh, no way yeah. it's yeah. Bit, that doesn't surprise me in the slightest <laughs> I did enjoy it that, was, that might save us getting sued I did enjoy it, it was completely different it wasn't the best prep for the marathon I did the two weeks later um, <laughs> well thank you so much for your time Robbie it's been, uh, I knew it was right. going to be interesting and entertaining as well if there's anything we can do for you um let us know and guys get out and start following Robbie he's, re- he's really good on Facebook really good on Twitter and um, he's, he's one of the best if not the best blogger out there for ultra running he's, he's always got really interesting views and just knows what he's talking about as well which is actually quite refreshing from a blogger <laughs> 
with with everything that you don't get from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to if you want to top up your your podcast listening with some actual knowledge, then Robbie's the man to go for essentially. <laughs> well, brilliant, thanks, Robbie, and. Thanks, let us know, you know, post in the group every now and then. Let us, let us know how you're doing in races. I'm sure the guys will be following you and be cheering for you all the way. Uh, good luck in your upcoming races. Cheers, you too. Nice to speak to you guys. Nice to meet you, Jody. Nice to meet you as Cheer well. Cheers for that. Bye. Bye. So, uh, I mean, brilliant. What a great, what a great guest. Yeah, superb. Absolutely superb. And I actually, I quite like it when um, the good thing about Robbie is you you know that he's he's as good at ultra running as he'd be down the pub. Yeah. Although yeah. I don't think he drinks, but in terms of chat. Yeah. Well, no. Well, the thing is, uh, you know, ultra running community, some of like some of those the really good runners and and stuff. I think they're well. Let me put this diplomatically. Um, they they struggle around other people. Um, yeah. You know, you can, like, long distance runners are uh, notoriously uh, insulated and stuff. But Robbie like, Robbie properly breaks the mold with that. He. Um, you know, he's properly he's properly approachable. Uh, he, he seems like a proper laugh as well. And and also, I think um, particularly once you get to his level, because he's you know he's really top end. Um, it's that's when what you do and what you say really can impact on your living and your life, um, especially with attracting sponsors, with um, how you're seen in the community. And Robbie isn't afraid in, in what he writes to to stand up for what he thinks is right and actually putting some potentially controversial viewpoints across because he thinks it's 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 uh, you know how things should be i i respect that so much because it must be very easy to just think right i'm getting to the point where this is my life this is my livelihood um and and ducking away from any conflict because you yeah you just but- want to keep yeah, you know, especially in ultra, like we, you know, we were, we, we talked a while back, you know, and we mentioned it again. You know, we were speaking to him there about, you know, you can earn a really good living, um, winning, uh, you know, winning stuff and picking up sponsorship um, in lots of different ways. Ultras are still, you know, there are some big sponsors, some of the some of the bigger ones, but really, it's quite difficult to sort of eke out a living in it. So when you do, when yeah. you do get, when you do get those freebies, you do get the thing. It's easy to sort of stepping line and you know, and just be like appreciative um, for it and just you know. But you know, when things happen, and there have been some co- really controversial things happening in the ultra community, um, yeah. to step up and you know make your make your voice heard. I mean, that's why that's why that Nike stance got you know national press. I mean, like when, when does ultra running ever get in the national press apart from say you know it's, it's focused on like the Marathon de Sable or, or something like that? Yeah, um, you know, and that was that was all over the press when uh, when when he made that. Yeah, and, absolutely, and and it's such a I mean something like that as well with with the nike situation it's brilliant for ultra running because suddenly it's it's not just a case of random sports star you've never heard of says this i think most people in britain probably share his viewpoint and think screw you justin gatlin you, you cheat i can't believe nike are doing that the same when they you know when they stuck with tiger woods it's exactly the same um obviously it's slightly different because it's not necessarily cheating in your sport it's cheating you know in the real world um on your wife but um, yeah, having having uh, an intro into the the ultra running world of like here's a here's a guy who's prepared to stick his finger up. It makes ultra running seem quite rock and roll. Oh, it is quite, quite rock and roll. Well, you know, I'm an ultra runner. Well, doesn't that say everything you need to know? Well, actually, actually, now, now you mentioned that um, there was a question in the Bad Boy Running Group 
about? Um, it's directed to Robbie, but I think probably I, with you I, in mind. I know exactly the question. When I read that, I thought, <laughs> wait a minute. It's like, it's like someone is, is almost trying to call me out. <laughs> so, <laughs> Do you think that as well? <laughs> well, he, um, so this is, this is by Chris, uh, a good friend of mine. And I was actually out drink with him the week before. And he brought this up as well. And he was taking the piss out of you going, your, your co-presenter, Jodie, he calls himself Ultra Runner Jodie on Twitter. Um, when's the last time you ran an ultra? Uh, and so he clearly, I mean, he's, he's got a point. How long can you call yourself an ultra runner for once you've run an ultra? Are you still an ultra runner if you haven't done a single mile running since May, let alone an ultra? And so he put this question to Robbie, and Robbie was pretty diplomatic about it. Actually, I think he, uh, he, he, I think he came, he came down to your side saying that you can be, you can call yourself an ultra runner forever, and the more you talk about it, the stronger an ultra runner you are. <laughs> Look, once, once you're an ultra running legend, you're always an ultra running legend. That's all. That's all you need to know. I didn't realize that he'd been put up to it by you. That's really interesting. Oh <laughs> yeah, really yeah. Interesting. I didn't realize that. <laughs> I didn't realise that. I thought I thought there might have been like a, a possibility that he wasn't directing that to me, but now you, you've blown that out the water. <laughs> but it was, it was of his own accord. I I didn't encourage him. He, um, I think he's just he's standing up for real ultra runners who probably feel a little bit aggrieved. Oh, really? You, you know, oh, you've, really? you've, you've oh, yeah. got you've got the you know the. Uh, You've got the balls to still call yourself an ultra runner. I think he was—he was standing up for that for those people. All right. Okay. All right. That's interesting. That's an interesting yeah. viewpoint. Yeah. What's, 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 his, what's his distance? He's um. He. <laughs> oh, go on. Go on. What's his distance? Well, he. I mean, he's actually—he's won race for life before. So. Oh, has he? Has yeah. He? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. He's um. It's difficult to argue with that. He's—he's he's more a. Oh, a lover, a lover of sport than a partaker of sport, should we say? Oh, sofa, armchair, armchair. But he's he's man. he's he's more triathlete. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> so <laughs> his, his opinion means absolutely <laughs> toilet. Right? <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. That doesn't. That means that. That's vindicated it. He's I'm not banning like, him from the group. I've got he, I've got admin <laughs> permissions. He's out. He's not. But I thought I thought that would actually perk <laughs> you up a little bit. Irrelevant. It's irrelevant now. He's been. He's, He's been shamed, but um, but do bad is if if there's any other people out there that you think you'd love to get on the podcast, people like Robbie, let us know because we've asked because <laughs> there's no chance we're going to get them. <laughs> <laughs> well, with my stalking stills, I could certainly get in contact with them. Whether they come on the podcast is another thing. I think but... Catherine Ryan has been requested a few times. Catherine Ryan, have you heard of her? Catherine, she sounds familiar. Yeah. I know she's very busy. She she doesn't she doesn't well, take my calls anymore. Busy. Was that was that that was the excuse, wasn't it? That was the excuse. It was. I mean, it 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 stood in the way of our love. All oh, right. Um, yeah. So so it's it's actually it's it it's still quite quite painful. Quite so, raw. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Quite raw. Yeah. Absolutely. But um. Yeah. If there's anyone out there that you'd like us to get on, let us know. And we we're not going to do too much catching up on. Well, not going to do any catching up on things from the Facebook group or. Uh, anything from previous episodes this episode just because it's gone on quite for quite a long time with Robbie we're going to be um, potentially talking about the Hash House Harrows next week if we can get that episode up and running or if not um, we're going to be talking about Man V Lakes um, and boy it's um, 
It's an amazing race. It's going to be an interesting podcast. And for those of you that haven't run it or are interested in it or don't know about it, I think it's, I'm going to say it's the best marathon in the UK. Putting it out there already. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and actually, I can't think of a marathon in the UK that even comes close. Ooh. So, um, Ooh, yeah. Well, there we go. Well, let's leave it on, let's leave it on that. That bombshell. So, um, any any uh, any messages, letters at badboyrunning.com. Do please um, subscribe to the podcast. Hit Put your reviews. Make sure in. you get it every well week ish, two weeks, four <laughs> whenever <laughs> whenever it comes out, and we don't bugger it up. Absolutely. Um, and if uh, if you'd like to join us in the Facebook group, just search Bad Boy Running, and you'll you'll see a lot of the the people we mention on the podcast uh, a part of the community it's a really nice way to get to know everyone actually and, and decide which races to do and ask any advice that we will then ignore on the podcast yep <laughs> all right cheers cheers do badders and uh, we'll see you next week see you next week stay bad bye, bye.